Hello, my name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea. A new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, de-political-policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. guys hope everyone's well what a crazy world we're living in right just when you think it can't get any crazier it does nothing really should surprise us any longer but sometimes things still do but i want to get but i don't want to get into any of that right now i just want to play the second half of my conversation with Ken Ami, the true free thinker. I really had a great time talking to him. Uh, I hope to talk to him again in the very near future. I think that uh, he could talk about all kinds of different things with his experience and knowledge. And he's written over 40 books. So, I mean, good grief. Uh, it's just amazing, amazing to be able to be that concentrated and put that much time into things. And he really, really does his research, as you can tell by listening to him. So anyway, uh, listen to the second half. We get into all kinds of cool things. Uh, transhumanism. We talk about Gnosticism. We talk about gender and the whole New Age occult ideas on gender and how it's being pushed on children and society. We talk about education, indoctrination, all kinds of things. So I think you'll really enjoy this. And uh, I really want to thank you for listening once again, guys. It's 2021. Nothing's really changed. But, you know, it's going to be an interesting year. It's going to be an interesting time. So no matter what happens, we'll still hopefully be able to talk and uh, communicate. And I just want to say thank you guys for sticking by me. I know that I've been a little quiet on social media lately and haven't been doing as many podcasts. But the reason is just really burned out on current affairs. And I've been really 
putting my nose into the books and doing research. I've got several projects going on at the same time, and I think that you'll really like them. I'm trying to take it to that next level as far as really, really doing the deep research because it seems like you guys really appreciate that, and it's what I enjoy the most. I just want to inform people, and you know, they can take the information I give them and do whatever they want with it, and I hope that they'll look into things themselves. But uh, that's really why I do this. That's what I enjoy, and I hope that you enjoy that as well. And I do have a few guests that I have lined up for the new year. I don't want to give their names away, but if you've enjoyed the last few guests, you'll enjoy them for sure. And anyway, uh, happy new year. Happy belated new year. I hope that, if nothing else, we continue to learn a lot this year, grow as humans, and uh, just love one another and love, you know, our family and our friends. If, the, if there's one positive thing to come out of the Great Reset, it's that we should be spending more time with the people we love, that we should be thinking a little bit more about what's really important. I don't know if we're doing that. I know a lot of people are spending more time with their family and friends and doing things that uh, they kind of enjoy when they can. A lot of people are still working very hard and, you know, a lot of this stuff, they don't have time to catch up to everything. And I totally understand that. But anyway, I think that uh, it's really important to let the people you know, you love them. Because a lot of the things we do, a lot of things we worry about, it's really not that significant in the whole scheme of things. And uh, I think that if we can take this time to get back to basics and maybe uh, work on a hobby that we've always wanted to do or that we used to do, uh, you know, maybe read that book that you've been meaning to read. Maybe set 15 minutes aside instead of like browsing the Internet or watching sports or whatever you would normally do. Read some of that book or read an article something that will help you to possibly understand the way our world works. And um, I think it's maybe time to kind of put some of this uh, entertainment aside that we've been filling our minds with, this uh, worthless entertainment. You know, the, the term amusing ourselves to death. Well, that's what we've really been doing. And there's nothing wrong with getting some entertainment. I still listen to comedy and I'll listen to music when I need to. I probably don't listen to that stuff often enough, to be honest with you, uh, because I, I do this kind of stuff. You know, I look do podcasts and, and research, but it is good to get away from the super serious stuff. Uh, and it's a good to get away from the current headlines because they're constantly changing. It's like a flashing image, constantly changing, and it really will overwhelm you. It's meant to overwhelm you. But like if you're reading a book or reading articles that are not necessarily about current events, but maybe past events that help you understand the world we live in today, that's a little bit different. That helps you to understand where you are, where we are, how we got to where we are. That's very, very important. Most people aren't doing that. Most of the people that are really upset aren't doing that. The people that went to Washington yesterday are not doing that. A lot of them, 
they are acting out on current information that they've been given, but they don't understand how we arrived at the place we are. They don't understand exactly how government got into the situation that it's in. So until they understand that and really understand the inner workings and the history of the New World Order and the decline of freedom, then they'll really never be able to do that much, no matter how hard they would rebel, because they would just end up with the same type of government, the same type of leaders that they have now. You must understand the past. As cliche as that sounds, you must understand the past or you will repeat it. It's simple. It's simple. But we haven't done that throughout humanity, and I don't see us starting to do that now, by and large. So anyway, hey, let's get to this episode. I think you're going to enjoy it, and uh, I hope to have Ken on again soon, like I said. Uh, And hey, I've got some cool stuff for you. And also, I'm going to be posting very soon an episode I did on conspiracy or just a coincidence with my friend Jack. He was kind enough to ask me to come on there and do a little bit about the Council on Foreign Relations and the history of the New World Order, which I've talked about on here, but I'm always learning more stuff. And you always have to kind of update it because they're still around. It's still the same institutions and the same types getting into government. And so you got to keep talking about that stuff and letting people know about it. But anyway, I'll stop rambling. Let's get right to it. This is Kenami, the true free thinker. Thank you. In fact, one of the greatest twistings that's still haunting us to this day, and this will actually take us right into the realm of transhumanism, is what's generally known as Gnosticism. And it's interesting, I still run across the term Christian Gnosticism, where that's a total oxymoron, right? Because Gnosticism is if you take virtually any biblical doctrine and you turn it inside out, upside down, and backwards, then that's Gnosticism, right? So what they would claim is that the God of the Bible is this uh, demiurge, this lesser God who was so ignorant that it didn't even know that it had been created and that there's other gods in other realms um, and so arrogant that it ends up claiming to his creation that he is the only god and so this god kind of creates this little garden to keep his little pet creations in and keep them all nice and ignorant and along comes the serpent who becomes the the hero of the story by bringing liberation and enlightenment to humanity by urging them to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? So there you have this, uh, a lot of stuff ties back to that, such as um, the likening in Greek mythology to Prometheus, right? who steals fire uh, along with other technologies from the gods against the will of Zeus and gives it to humanity. So we're very happy and appreciative, uh, but it was still a rebellion. And so when humanity is given fire, that's not only an important technology, 
but it's symbolic of enlightenment, right? So you end up with this concept of the Promethean torch, even on top of the head of uh, the Baphomet image. Mm -hmm. So the light represents enlightenment, the enlightenment to the truth. And Gnosticism claimed, well, we have this secret knowledge and you can only get it through us. In fact, in the Serpent Seed books, I ended up writing a chapter about Serpent Seed Gnosticism with a lowercase g because I noticed a lot of people who claim that to be true, they, they'll claim, well, I got this revelation from the Holy Spirit who told me that this is true, you know, because apparently when your points are being debunked one after the other and you feel yourself cornered, you can only, you can always claim a special secret revelation. So that now if I'm arguing against you, guess what? I'm no longer actually arguing against you. I'm arguing against the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so you, you get this um, concept that turns the Bible completely on its head where Satan is the hero and God is the bad guy. That's like uh, the famous saying that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to get people to believe he didn't exist. And I said, the second greatest trick he ever pulled is to get people to believe that he's the good guy. Yeah, absolutely. And so if we can kind of take this into transhumanism, so, you know, um, the way I like to explain it is that the original rebellion took place when the then loyal cherub thought to himself, I will be like the most high, right? One of Satan's famous five I wills. You've probably Mm -hmm. heard that before, yeah. Yeah. And if you noticed, that's the very idea he introduces to Eve. You will be as gods, right? Yeah. And so there you go. Nothing's changed. That's (laughs) People always say Satan's not had an original idea in millennia. And the sad thing is he hasn't had to. His original rebellion worked so well, we're still falling for the same old thing. So in my mind, the way I, I historically think of transhumanism, and um, okay, that's going to be a term we should talk about for just a second. So the thing with transhumanism is it's, an, it's a huge category. And it's sometimes known as futurism, or post-humanism or humanity plus, and it can cover so many things. I mean, genetic manipulation, cloning, um, androids, cyborgs, you name it, so many different things. And it can also have a, a friendly PR front to it as well, because what a lot of transhumanists by any other name will do is they'll keep tabs or they'll actually be involved on the latest research in prosthetics, uh, helping people with amputated limbs, helping the blind, helping the deaf, helping the mute, and all these things, helping people with developmental problems, mental issues, which is all great stuff, okay? But then they'll take that technology and attempt to apply it to something that's completely different. Um, such as just kind of, uh, if you could just push it onto the future, you could easily see a scenario that's like um, uh, 
two different humanities, right? More like the organic, natural humanity. And then one that has um, all these electronic or high-tech implants that essentially allow them to be superhuman, right? I mean, if, like I joked about, if I could memorize everything in my books, well, there, there will come a technology where I'll be able to do that. So I'll be talking to you and I have literally an entire, the entire world's libraries in my head are accessible to me. And you'll just be some guy attempting to rub two sticks together, right? To <laughs> in comparison. Right. And so, <laughs> and so in my mind, um, we look at Genesis 2 and God forms Adam of the dust of the ground and breathes into him the breath of life and he becomes a living soul. Okay. And, and I always like to tell the story of when one of my girls was eight or nine years old, she was trying to remember that text and she says, Oh, oh yeah, yeah. God blew his nose. <laughs> Cause it says he blew into his nostrils, the breath of life. Are you Oops. there, Ken? Oops, sorry. I just, uh, I just totally dropped the mic right on the floor. <laughs> I thought okay. that's what happened. I... Uh, so to me that, kind of is the whole thing right there because what ends up happening is as you progress forward in history you have uh, various cultures tinkering with gadgets uh, trying to build automata right trying to build these machines that'll move on their own uh, some very rudimentary of course because these were starting in ancient times but um, then you end up much later in history with uh, rabbinic Judaism, okay, not, not biblical faith, but rabbinic Judaism, which is quite different, developing a set of mystical teachings known as Kabbalah. And so a Kabbalist rabbi could supposedly undergo an initiation ritual whereby he would form a basic human shape out of the dust of the earth, and bring it to life and that's what's known as a golem mm, okay and then um well i wrote a whole book on golem okay it's called the golden golden golem goal and so there's there's various aspects and a lot of folklore that grew up around it um but to me that was just basically a, a concept of trying to be like god right? God created Adam that way. So then the initiate rabbi could create something in the same exact way, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're looking at there. And it's important to note that there's a right way and a wrong way to be like God, right? Like Jesus said, be ye therefore holy as your father in heaven is holy. Well, yeah, I definitely want to be like God that way. Mm -hmm. But it should be in terms of emulation, not in terms of usurpation, not in terms of I will be God, I will be like the most high. I'm going to set my throne above the stars of heaven, right? That's different. And so to me, that's what you're seeing is something that is very low tech, like forming uh, dirt into a mound and bringing it to life through an occult ritual then you end up seeing that portrayed in a lot of our um, films and books, such as Frankenstein, right? Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. 
Mm -hmm. And if I can put you on the spot, do you happen to remember what the actual book is called? It's called Frankenstein or something. Uh, it's pretty obscure, so don't feel bad. I don't remember. Okay, it's it, the actual book is called Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. Ooh, okay. Yeah. All right. And so what's that book about? Well, it's taking uh, previously living bio-organic or, uh, matter and bringing it to life. It's just a basic golem tale, right? Then you go forwards, let's say, to Metropolis, 1927. And what do you have there? An occultist scientist building an android and downloading the contents of a woman's brain and uploading it into the android. So now you have a higher tech, a higher tech version of the golem, where now it's having taken the metallic alloys from the dust of the ground and forming them and bringing them to life. Same kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Same kind of thing. And even, <laughs> even if you look at the Smurfs, that's a gold, golem tale. Uh, because Smurfette was created just that way. She was made out of dirt and brought to life. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And what's the guy's name that did that? The, the bad guy in the story is Gargamel. Mm -hmm. Gargamel, right? Yeah. Well, that's totally like a Hebraic name, Gargamel. Right. Yeah. Right? And, and what's his cat's name? Azrael. Yeah. Right. Wow. I mean, that's, it's so... Anyhow, I mean, even in something as silly as that, there it is. Right. You have this occultist um, forming a golem, you know? Yeah. And so there you go. We could just list, after that, you could list novel after novel, movie after movie about the same kind of idea until you get to the age where technology is such that there's real-life transhumanists basically trying to do the same thing. They want to bring about what's known as uh, general or strong artificial intelligence, an artificial intelligence that will be self-aware, living. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's just high tech nowadays. And yeah. along with that comes uh, basically a deconstruction of God's creation, right? God created the world to be in a certain way. And we're just like at this fever pitch of deconstructing it. We want to call truth itself into question, right? We want to mm -hmm. deconstruct reality. We're to the point where we're deconstructing ourselves and each other. We're deconstructing our bodies. We want to say that the way our bodies are don't have to be because now I can change them through all kinds of pharmaceuticals and surgery. I don't have to be what I am anymore. I, I can claim that I'm something that I'm not and that I'm demonstrably not. And that if you uh, disagree with me, then you're crazy and you need to be canceled. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And the thing is, when it comes to all these gender issues, for instance, I wrote a book called The Occult Roots of Post-Genderism. And most of the book is just quotations from one occult text after another, after another, after another. All of them talking about how, on their view, again, the way they look at the world, the uh, true God and therefore his original creation 
is dual gendered, is hermaphroditic or androgynous, mm-hmm. and that humanity ultimately needs to return to that. So this is why, a part of why we're we're looking at all this gender confusion stuff. It's because it's actually a goal of occultists and transhumanists to go beyond that, to get beyond what they call a binary um, and just kind of deconstruct it all and reconstruct it in our own image to bring it back to a, a unity because a binary is considered uh, to be a breaking down of unity because you don't have one being now, you have two and they're different. and They have to come together. So the concept is we need to get back to one being that is both. Yeah, that's, that's a, that makes sense. And um, I, I know like my very first uh, show, I, um, I just discovered not long before that, that there was this, you know, we were really at the time seeing a lot about the, the transgender movement and um, you know, gender fluidity and all these different things. And I, as I got to studying it, I realized, wow, this is actually an occult belief. You know, it goes back to, uh, you know, Blavatsky and, and I'm sure farther back than even that. Uh, and um, Crowley and these people who believe that, uh, you know, we were originally, uh, you know, transgendered, if you will, or didn't have a gender. And, uh, and they really are pushing for us to go back to that old belief. So it really blew my mind to understand that, wow, this is not just some kind of social movement. There is a dark occult force behind that. I mean, the thing is, to me, it's like a, an art of war type scenario where it's like a war is not just something that takes place on a battlefield. I mean, a war is, is fought from every conceivable angle, right? It's financial, it's philosophic, it's through, the, through uh, forms of media. It's in every, any possible way you can fight it, but that's how it's fought. So with this issue of gender, I mean, to begin with, anyone who's having gender issues it's absolutely heartbreaking for me and i I can't even imagine what that must be like i mean Mm -hmm. it must just be incredibly challenging to not be comfortable in your own body and i don't mean because maybe you're a little too chubby or too skinny or not tall enough or whatever i mean to to just have that real gender dysphoria Mm -hmm. it breaks my heart and so i'm have a lot of compassion for people dealing with that. But there's so many, I don't even want to say but, I'll say and there are so many other aspects of it. So for instance, we're at the point today where where the second, uh, let's say a boy picks up a pink ball or a doll, they go, oh, that's it. Uh, you know, you're five years old, we're going to get you started on hardcore pharmaceuticals that'll not allow your body to develop the way it was designed to develop, mm-hmm. right? That's a whole different level of thing. That's, that's not an individual making a conscious adult decision. That, that is uh, activism. It's, it's a whole different thing. And my um, Occult Roots of Postgenderism book is subtitled And the History of Changes to Psychiatry and Psychology uh, because 
it's very out in the open that what psychiatrists and psychologists used to consider mental disorders, such as body dysmorphia, they're today uh, saying it's perfectly normal and natural, and they're admitting in their own literature that that has nothing to do with science. It has to do with social political activism, which is mm-hmm. why they've changed their views. Right. Okay, so that's another level of this. It's coming at us from, from a social, uh, sociopolitical direction, from an occult direction. And then um, I'm trying to find, um, yes, let me see. Okay, here's an interesting quote I put in that book. <clears throat> it is, um, okay, here's the quote. Efforts to treat female depression and male aggression, autism and ADD would give us ways to make the brain more androgynous. Francis Fukuyama lamented these trends, the quote-unquote masculizing of depressive women's moods by antidepressants, and the quote-unquote feminizing of ADD boys with stimulant medications in our post-human future, asserting that they were the result of pressures to conform to a quote-unquote androgynous median personality in American society. That is um, a statement about the medications, the pharmaceuticals being given to boys to make them unboy-like and to girls to make them ungirl-like. So that's another level of it. This is biochemical, right? And notice how the statement is would give us ways to make the brain more androgynous, to make it that way mm-hmm. on purpose. I it's mean, crazy. Yeah. And um, one thing they talked about is uh, like plastics, phthalates and plastics is one way to do that because they act as a pseudoestrogen. So, okay, the, the bottom line of this is, let's say you have a, a girl and her DNA is designed to get it, her body and brain and mind and everything about her to be just that, to be a her, to develop as a girl with the musculature of a girl and the skeleton of a girl Uh, And all of a sudden, you're flooding it with testosterone. The body is literally biochemically confused. What's it going to do with all this stuff? Or the same thing with a boy whose body is flooded with estrogen or pseudoestrogen. What's it going to do with it? Right? And so you end up with these young people nowadays who look kind of like a blob, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. their bodies are literally biochemically confused because they're having to deal with all these substances that are not meant to be there. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's an incredibly complicated issue. It's not as simple as looking at it from any one vantage point because it's an art of war. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that makes total sense. And, and it's, it's, it's all around us. And, you know, I look back to just when I was a kid, um, you know, and especially when you start to go through puberty and whatnot, uh, you know, we didn't have to think about those things at that time of, you know, have I, you know, am I a boy or a girl? We just, you know, kind of, uh, most of the, most of us, you know, uh, knew and now people actually, you know, cause when you're young and impressionable, you think that, uh, you should be a certain way. So if that type of thing is made popular in, you know, pop culture, then people will think that they're that way, even if they're not like, uh, I know growing up in the nineties, it was, uh, and I think people like Marilyn Manson and people like that made it popular to be bisexual. So a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of girls and some guys, but especially girls would uh, act as if they were. But, you know, most of those people that I knew that acted that way when they got a little older, realized that they were not that way. And, um, you know, they it was just one of those things that they made popular. So they were like, oh, I guess I guess I'm like that. And it's no different uh, with, you know, transgenderism. I think it's, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't issues in, in real stories like you were talking about where people uh do have um issues like that but it's very uh i think it's a lot more rare than uh, what uh, pop culture would make it out to be and it really confuses the youth and especially you know like i said if you're going through puberty uh, and you're already confused on top of that i just can't imagine uh having that pressure uh, at that age because that was nothing that i would ever even have thought about you know back then by the way, I wanted to offer a citation of what I was quoting is from a paper by George Dvorsky and James Hughes from the Institute of Ethics and Emerging Technologies. And the paper's called Postgenderism Beyond the Gender Binary. It's just for your audience in case they want to they want to look into that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think other, another aspect of this is that it's getting children, and I mean little tiny kids, to think about sexuality extremely early, early in life. And right. I, I don't think we need to kind of dig into why, <laughs> why some people would want that. Uh, right. But unfortunately, we can imagine. And then yeah. also, I think it ties in to the destruction of the traditional family as well. Absolutely, yeah. There's because, no question. Because, you know, now you're, you're going to have, uh, what, uh, two moms, um, a half dad, and an it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean seriously, though, um, because one thing that oppressive regimes have traditionally despised is the traditional family unit. And mm -hmm. in my mind, it's because uh, a family is sort of like a, a micro government within a macro government, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of what the government may be pushing, I in my own home have my own say about how, what my family is going to be like and what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And so the, the repressive regimes have always attempted to get at that. They need right. to get into your house and determine what you're going to say, what you're going to do, what your family is going to be like, or even if it's going to be family at all, because nowadays a family is whatever you want, right? Anything. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So it's all part of it, right? It's all like this insane phantasmagoric dance of deconstruction of anything that can be touched, can be deconstructed and kind of um, brought into this uh, new world insanity. That that reminds me of, um, I was doing some research on the, the, you know, the origins of the new world order and uh, the professor and the author, John Ruskin, uh, who ended up teaching uh, Cecil Rhodes in his book, Time and Tide in 1867, he wrote that the first duty of the state is to see that every child born therein shall be well housed, clothed, fed and educated but in order to the affecting excuse me but in order to the affecting this government must have an authority over the people of which we now do not so much as dream so they're basically saying you know we we want to help society but we want to control society very right. much so yeah and part of that being now that we're all under stay-at-home orders, um, I early on when this whole thing started, I checked. Uh, you know how on Google you can check what people are searching for, mm -hmm. and the searches for homeschool or homeschooling were skyrocketing because everyone has their kids at home now, yeah. and they're trying to find a way to keep teaching them. So then halfway through this thing, even conservatives were saying, open the schools back up, open them up. And I'm thinking, dude, that's why we got leftists losing their minds and destroying our, our country, literally destroying things. It's because of the propagandizing they've been getting in public schools. Now yeah. you have a chance to start homeschooling them. A lot more parents realizing that's what, what they want to do and keep doing. And now you're saying, put them back in school. Uh, no. <laughs> Cancel right. public schools. You know. That that was my thoughts as well. Uh, you know, I've kind of, uh, I think I've said this in a few shows, but uh, it almost makes me think that we've been under some sort of operation to try and make people want the opposite of what they originally stood for. Because, and I use that as a reference. I mean, as far as conservatives um, have been saying, you know, for years that, you know, that, that, that uh, public school is an indoctrination institution, which it is. And, um, you know, they really are against the family. And then next thing you know, when it seems like it's the left that's basically kind of behind the shutdowns, then they want to put their kids back in school. So it makes me think, are we being uh, kind of, I don't know. Are, are we under some sort of program that's trying to make us stand for things we'd normally stand against? Because politics is such an emotional thing, you know? And it's not just politics that's an emotional thing. It's that, for instance, when I've made statements like that, people say, well, not everybody can homeschool. A lot of people need two incomes and all of this. And I totally understand that, of course. Yeah. But it, it is still a fact that public school is basically just an allowance to have um, the sociopolitical movers and shakers of the culture to teach your kid uh, something you might never want them to learn in school. Because it's one thing if they're learning strict 
language, English, science, you know, basic stuff, but it's, there's a lot more than that going on, right? Yeah, uh, in fact, absolutely. Um, one person I love to listen to his lectures about this is John Taylor Gatto, G-A-T-T-O, because mm-hmm. he did a lot of research into how public school came to be established, and he himself was a teacher, and in fact, he was New York Teacher of the Year twice. Here's one thing that he had to say about this. Is there an idea more radical in the history of the human race than turning your children over to total strangers whom you know nothing about and having those strangers work on your child's mind out of your sight for a period of 12 years? Could there be a more radical idea than that? Back in colonial days in America, if you propose that kind of idea, they'd burn you at the stake, you mad person. It's a mad idea. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a and great There's quote. something to that. Yeah. I mean, um, these, these, these kids learned uh, part of what they've learned, which turned them into leftists, okay? And leftism is different than liberalism. Leftists, they're, they're, learning it, they're learning it somewhere. And it starts in the public school, and then it goes into the universities and colleges. And then it goes into um, the issue of the dumbing down of uh, first, first world country cultures and the uh, takeover of emotions, really. It's, it's yeah. emotive. You, you don't have to be right and wrong as long as you feel something. Hey, mm-hmm. I feel that this is true. I feel this is false. Therefore, that's valid. And that's, uh, that's all you need to know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess it was um, Vladimir Lenin who said, uh, give me four years to teach the children and the seed I've sown will never, never be uprooted. And um, whether he said that or not, it's, uh, it's certainly true. <laughs> and they know that. And so they want to really get those kids younger and younger. You know, they, they, they push to get them uh, – preschool and even younger than that and it's just it's really uh disturbing to see that they you know there there's that uh i hate to keep just keep quoting quotes but uh the uh hl minken quote uh the urge to save humanity is almost always the false uh urge to rule it i think was how he said it and i think that's true so much throughout history there's there's these people and they probably have, they're probably well-intentioned. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people even now that are well-intentioned, but they end up wanting to rule over other people. And, um, you know, it's really, uh, you can see that. Absolutely. Well, that's another aspect of you shall be as God, right? Yeah. I mean, what could be more fulfilling to a person like that, but ruling it, lording it over other people, ruling them? Um, I mean, to to tell you what you can or cannot do in your own home, that's a whole other level. And we're already seeing news stories from around the world where you can face jail time for something that you said in private. Yes, it's insane, isn't it? That's just amazing. Yeah, well, we... This all kind of almost everything we've talked about ends up getting tied together into this 
concept of deconstruction and now this um, this great reset, right? Yeah, reset, absolutely. Reset um, how governments do what they do. Reset the family. Reset the individual. Reset everything you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Yeah, and you know the the term uh, "build back better" really does kind of represent what they want to do and what they've been trying to do for decades. They they love to tear down the system and rebuild it in their image, and um, you know that's kind of like what's going on right now. They're they they've been doing this, but now it's kind of like, hey, we've got this opportunity under this COVID nineteen, so let's just. Uh, really kick it into high gear and uh, you know it's I guess you could say they're taking advantage of of the the situation big time yeah don't let don't ever let a good crisis go to waste right right yeah absolutely even if it was manufactured <laughs> right right I don't know that it was but I do know yeah. that it, it seems to me everyone's kind of forgotten about figuring out where this thing came from yeah you know, it's yeah. one of those things where, eh, a laboratory, a wet market, eh, whatever. Let's, it's here, so deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, for instance, I'm getting a kick out of how where I live, it is pretty darn cold right about now. Yeah. And so to get into a grocery store, the other night I literally stood in line for an hour. Wow. Okay? An hour. And so now I'm thinking, so, okay, uh, a lot of people are going to end up getting sick from just being out in the elements where, where, where it's really cold. Yeah. And then they're going to go get tested. And guess what? They're going to get, uh, they're going to test positive for COVID just because they have a common flu or a cold. Yeah. And then there yep. go the numbers. Right. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah, yeah. And or you know, one I, thing uh, <laughs> my wife was pointing out is, okay, you're only allowed to do outdoor dining now where we live. Outdoor mm -hmm. only. Okay. Uh, okay, but it's really, really cold. So all these restaurants <laughs> are basically building these outdoor tent areas. So basically, you're indoor dining outdoors. <laughs> you're still in an enclosed space with other people. Right. There's no way you could sit out there and even intend to enjoy a meal because it's so cold. So, yeah, why don't you just let us go into the restaurant and be careful? Right. Uh, because, you know, just by saying that I'm exposing myself for some kind of uh, rebellious guy that doesn't care about other people's health. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing that and I think that's been one of the hard pills to swallow that there's been so many rules that have been implemented that didn't make sense. And then they would change them and the new rules may would make even less sense. And I, I know my father-in-law was telling me uh, the other day that his gym, um, you can't swim in the pool, but you can go in the sauna and sit right beside someone without <laughs> a mask. It's like, what in the world, you know? <laughs> but you know it's just part of um a, a line i've heard before which is uh this is the smallest amount of power i've ever seen go to somebody's head you know you yeah. have these like petty politicians who all of a sudden can rule with a, a tiny little iron fist you know they can literally tell you how many people you can have over for thanksgiving and what you can do and there's even uh 
you know, I heard one politician on TV talking about how that you should only speak to each other in a low tone of voice. Right? <laughs> so you're not projecting and all this stuff. And they, I'm sure they love it. You know, this yeah, most yeah. power they've ever had. And they can literally just from one day to the next come up with whatever they want and then right. uh, fault you and fine you for it on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ken, um, this has been an awesome conversation, man. I've had a great time and likewise, I really appreciate you coming on and, uh, I knew we would, uh, get along great and, uh, I'd love to have you on again soon. Uh, if you'd be willing and maybe Anytime, when... let me know. Okay. Definitely. And especially, especially when you get your uh, newest book out, uh, you can come on and talk about it and, um, you know, promote it. And I think that, uh, we could probably talk about so many different things. Yes, so, <laughs> so cool. Um, so would you like to tell the people where they can find your books and, and your, uh, of course, your, your blogs and everything that, uh, that you put out? Sure. So thank you so much. It has been a very fascinating conversation. I appreciate your audience hearing us out and yeah, I've made it really easy. If you just go to truefreethinker.com, everything is right there. Uh, I just made it user-friendly so you can find the books and any social networking sites you might use that I'm on. So truefreethinker, all one word, .com. And that's it. It's that simple. Well, great. Yeah, I, I would urge the listeners to check out your website if they've never been on there for sure. Because Appreciate it. Uh, like I said in the past, uh, you know, when, when I was, well, basically since I've started uh, doing this show, uh, a lot of times your website would come up in uh, things that I was looking up and I found it to be a fantastic source of information. So I would uh, urge everybody to check it out. And do um, you want to give out your Twitter? I know you're on Twitter and that's how we found each other. Yeah. Uh, again, if you just go to True Free Thinker, then I don't know, I'm probably on eight different social networking sites. So all the links are there on the left hand menu. Gotcha. Okay, very cool then. All right, man. Well, thank you once again, Ken, and you have a great night. Thank you. And, uh, I hope you and your family stay warm. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I hope to talk to you again soon. Definitely. Okay, thank you so much. God bless. God bless. Thank you. All right, that was it. I won't do a long outro since I did such a long intro, but I just wanted to say thank you once again for listening. Stay tuned to the next podcast featuring the odd man out. Check up with me on underscore the odd man out on both Twitter and Instagram. And I'm on Facebook if you want to find me on there. It's the odd cast FT the odd man out. So uh, I'm also on float. I'm kind of checking that one out. I'm on parlor. Uh, I'm on gab, a couple of these other ones, but uh, I don't really do too much on there yet. I'm kind of trying to see if these take off, if they get more people. I'm hoping maybe if uh, Trump gets kicked off permanently from Twitter, that these other ones, maybe a couple of them will take off and get bigger. You know my theory. I think he should have quit Twitter a long time ago. Then he could have really uh, brought a lot of people over to these other platforms and possibly had some real competition for old Jack Dorsey.
but uh, for some reason he didn't do that. So anyway, uh, hope to talk to you guys very soon. I'll try to get that show about the CFR out in the next couple of days. I am about to go on the boiler room with my friends from alternatecurrentradio.com here in about an hour and 15 minutes. So I'm looking real forward to catching up with those guys. They've been so kind to me and they're true friends of the odd men. And uh, I was really lucky last year to get to be on a lot of different shows and a shout out, of course, to Hesher and Spore for giving me a chance and a shout out to the guys from Gramerica because they took a chance on me and I was nobody and uh, it really gave me the courage to really take my show to another level and really start uh, trying to convey a lot of the research that I had been doing for so many years. So really uh, want to thank them for taking a chance on me. Anyway, uh, thanks, thanks to all the guests I had on last year too, man. I never thought that I would get in a year's time to talk to Gary Wayne Isaac Weishaupt, um, all the rest of the guys. It was just unbelievable, unbelievable that I got to do that. Got to be on uh, the tinfoil hat with Sam Tripoli a couple of times, and that was awesome. Uh, just, just a real dream come true, man. So I'm looking forward to this year. I'm looking forward to talking to new people. And uh, But I tell you what. I am going to be relentless this year. That's my promise to you. A relentless pursuit of the truth. I may lose some friends. I may make some enemies. But I'm really going for the throat. Uh, I don't quite have as much patience as I did last year. The farther you get along with this stuff, the more you see the lies. The lies become clearer. The more you have to wonder who's on the take who's shilling for whom, but, uh, you know, I'm going to try to keep peaceful and, uh, you know, try to be a good Christian. Uh, I try, I fail a lot, but, um, anyway, guys, I love you. And I thank you for everything you've done for me. And so that being said, cheers and blessings. And remember their order is not our order. See ya.
same old tactics. 